We're glad you're here this morning to, to see that the Lord is indeed answering our prayers that folks would find life in Jesus and to share in that privilege together as we did. Really, really grateful. Hey, I want you to remind you that as the video talked about, we do have a missions conference coming up in February. And the funny thing is, it's February. So when actually is the missions conference? It's like this Friday. Uh-huh. See, it snuck up on them. You're like, it's not two weeks. It's this Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, excited to have our guest speaker from Israel with us. And then to be together again all three times, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Saturday night specifically is a dinner together. Typically in the past, we have done a southern barbecue. This year, going to be a little different. We're actually having kazoo. Not kazoo, kazoo or katsu or I don't know. The Japanese restaurant right here by us, which would be exciting. If you love sushi, you're going to love it. If you don't like sushi, guess what? No, I've tried to talk people into sushi. It never works. If you don't like sushi, they'll have other food that will be good for you as well. If you don't like sushi, you're missing out. But hey, it'll be good for all. So encourage you to be with us Saturday night for the dinner. But in order to do so, you got to sign up by Wednesday. Did you hear that? So please, there's actually out in the uh, courtyard this morning a place where you can sign up so you don't have to go online. But if online is better for you, just sign up before Wednesday so that we can share that time together. All right, would you take your Bible with me, whether it's a hard copy or mobile device, and open to John 4. John 4, we've been for six weeks now in this life conversation that Jesus had with the woman, Samaritan woman at the well. And as we look at it one last time this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to track through the full conversation, remembering what it is that we see in Jesus that's so important that we embrace if we're going to have life conversations with people in our sphere of influence. And then second, we're going to get to the woman and her response to this conversation. And I trust, as we look at what happens with her and through her, that everybody here this morning is going to go, wow, that is awesome. Because it is awesome what happens in and through this woman. And I think it may lead you, I hope it will lead many of us to think differently about this whole idea I am an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. Because I think there are some things that we believe that aren't true, that keep us from being that instrument of God. So, John 4, we'll run through the conversation together. It all starts in verse 4 where it says that he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. Geographically, he did not, but in light of the Father's heart for every tongue and tribe and people and nation, that not only Jews, but those who were not Jewish, Samaritan and Gentiles would come to faith in Christ. He doesn't ignore the Samaritans like most Jewish people would. He goes through Samaria. So pick up the story there in your Bible. We're going to start in verse 7 and work our way the whole way through the conversation. It says in verse 7, there came a woman, because they stopped there at the well in Samaria, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? And then John explains for Gentiles who don't get it, like you and I, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So what he's saying is just pause here for a moment. He is reminding us that Jesus was not normal. He didn't do what normal Jewish people did. Instead of ignoring Samaritans, he engaged them. And when that woman that day at noon saw a Jewish man at the well, I'm sure inside she was going, ah. She expected him to be rude and unkind and aloof. But that's not what she found. What she found in Jesus was a person that someone would want to have a conversation with. So critical. At work, do people want to have a conversation with you? Not just about other stuff, but do they want to have a spiritual conversation with you? Are you that type of person? Or the typical church person that unchurched people avoid? See, Jesus was not normal. He was humble, not arrogant. He was honest, not fake. And he was actively kind, not unkind. When we, listen very carefully, when we talk about having life conversations with people, we get trapped in, what are we going to say? And it's far less about what we say than it is who we are. See, it starts with, who are you? Are you a person? Are you a man? Are you a woman? Are you a neighbor? Are you a coworker? Do people at the gym want to talk to you or avoid you? Jesus was a man that the woman wanted to have a conversation with. That is, that's where it all starts. So she discover, he discovers that she'll have a conversation. He turns it spiritual then. He He introduces a spiritual conversation by saying, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, so he turns it spiritual and then what happens? Well, she actually engages. She doesn't resist it. She doesn't turn it off or turn it away. She's like, oh, and ask two questions first. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You don't have a bucket. Where do you get that water? And second, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. So he turns it spiritual. She engages by asking two questions. And because she engages, Jesus continues. So key. So common sense, but sometimes we get on this mission. No, I have to get somebody. Really encouraged last night talking to a guy who said, hey, I've been encouraged by this series. I engaged a guy at work in spiritual conversation, and he was like ready. He just, spiritual questions, no problem. And he said, and then I asked him where he was. And he was like, whoop, shut it down. So when it got a little personal, he shut it down. I said, what'd you do? He said, well, I did what you said. I I dropped it there because he obviously wasn't ready. Way to go. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is a person that 
somebody want to talk to. He turns it spiritual. The woman responds. And so he continues. But you don't have to cram it down their throat because if God is working, (laughs) you have an incredible privilege to join him. And if he's not working, you can't make it happen. It's an, this is so, so simple, but capture it. I'm an instrument of God. So who's doing the work? God, I'm just the instrument. So I make myself available and I go according to how God is working. Turn it spiritual, continue if they're ready, if God is prepared. God had clearly prepared the woman. So Jesus continues. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I'll give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And so it's like, bam, bam. Jesus turns it spiritual. She responds. He continues. And what's she say? Verse 15. You got your Bible? What's she say to him? Yeah, she goes, sir, give me this water so I'll not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. It's like too good to be true. I mean, have you ever been in a conversation for 30 seconds and the person says, I want to be born again? It doesn't usually happen that way. It's like, okay, this is Jesus. You know, he's like, perfect. So drink. She goes, I want it. So what's Jesus say to her? Verse 16. Woman, repeat this prayer after me. And after praying, he baptized her at the well. (laughs) If you don't have a Bible with you, that's not what verse 16 says. I made that up. I made that up because that's what we expect would happen. And I think that's what so many of us would do. Give me a drink. Oh, here, believe, repeat this. And, And Jesus doesn't go for that because he recognizes, hmm, There's more going on. Instead of saying, repeat after me and you'd be baptized, he says, go call your husband and come here. Whoa, Jesus, why throw the wet blanket on the hot fire? Because gospel confusion and because, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, he's confronting that desire to hide her sin. And he's inviting her, hey, you don't have to, to hide. I want you to go back Get that which you're embarrassed and ashamed of that has you here at noon and bring it back to me and I will cleanse it so you never have to hide it any longer. See, it's a beautiful invitation of God's grace to not just cover up our sin, but to take it out of the way. So he invites her, hey, go and do this. But she's not ready. Go get your husband. Come here. What's she say? Don't have one. True or false? It's true, but it's incredibly deceptive. So Jesus brings the full truth. He says, you have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. And she's like, dear in the head, like, uh, you're a prophet. In other words, you know stuff about me that you shouldn't know. And actually, he's going, you wondered if I'm greater than Jacob. I am. I am greater than Jacob. Now, don't, don't miss what's happening here. I don't think the woman is a believer at this point. When she says, I perceive you're a prophet, I do think she is coming to understand who Jesus is. When she saw a Jewish man, she expected rude. She found out kind, honest, humble. 
but he's nobody special. Oh, actually, he is. <laughs> he's a prophet greater than Jacob. But I don't think she's a believer yet. She has a question. Next verse. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she throws out the question, the disagreement between Samaritans and Jews. And what Ryan taught last week is that Jesus addresses that obstacle, but he brings the conversation back to himself. Watch. He says, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will, will you worship the Father. So it's not going to be about mountains. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but not for the Jews only. An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, can I confess to you? When I read Jesus' answer, I don't go, wow, that's awesome. And that always bothered me. And then I realized, I don't think it's an awesome answer because I've never had the question. I've never been burdened by the question, where do we go worship? This mountain or this mountain? But it was a real deal for her. And so Jesus' answer makes a difference. It helps her. And I know it helps her because she says... I know that Messiah is coming. And you ask yourself, who brought up Messiah? Did Jesus bring up Messiah? No, Jesus hadn't. She did. In other words, some connections are happening. Not rude person, kind, honest Jewish man. Oh, not just any kind Jewish man, a prophet. Whoa, maybe not just any prophet, maybe the, the Messiah. Why? Because when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. I kind of just had that happen, and she's thinking. So you see what's happening? She's, she herself is beginning to understand and conclude. This is the one. And, and so what's Jesus say to her? Bingo. I who speak to you am he. You got it. And I think it's at this moment when he says, that's me that the woman believes. I think this is her moment. Now, uh, I always try to make sure I'm clear with this. The Bible doesn't say that. So I'm interpreting the text. So we could disagree on that one. I think this is why, where she believes because what happens? Well, I just thought you were going to be rude. Then I discovered you were kind. And then I thought you were just a kind Jew. And then I discovered, no, you're a prophet. And I thought you are just any prophet. Now I think you're the Messiah. And you just said you are. And I think she believes because what happens? The woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? Now, you may be thrown off. By the way she says it, you may go, see, she's not convinced. Oh, I think she's convinced. I just think she's a really smart lady who goes, as a Samaritan woman, I'm not going to go into town and tell, hey, the guys, hey, I found the guy you've been looking for. Come. And they're like, yeah, yeah, as that woman has been married five times. She's crazy. What's she do? Hey, I just met a man who told me everything I've ever done. It's not the Christ, is it? <laughs> and what do they do? Well, let's go see. It's exactly what happens. The woman becomes, see, she says, come and see, and they do. 
But I don't want you to miss this. What is so compelling about this text to me in this moment is she leaves, she believes, and then what she do? She goes to town and tells. She believes and immediately she goes, da- goes to town and tells. The woman becomes a follower of Jesus and an evangelist at the same moment. Isn't that weird? Well, it's weird in our world. In our world, what happens with you and I is we come to Christ and then we got to take 17 courses and classes and get our lives all together and then go tell somebody maybe about Jesus. And hear me clearly. We need to change our mind about that. We're the weirdos, not her. She's the one who is demonstrating how it should happen. We're the ones that have missed our way. So I'm I'm speaking very directly to myself, to all of us. This whole idea that we've come to Christ, but then it's going to be a long time till we're ready to share Jesus is not biblical. Because what happens is she comes and she starts telling. She believes and she starts telling. Yes, you agree with me? Don't you see it? She believes and starts telling. Why? Because, listen, this is our identity. See, we've been saying our identity the whole time. But capture it. What is our identity? I'm a child of God. Am I a child of God when I believe or after I believe and then grow a bit? When am I a child of God? When I believe. Immediately? Yes. Uh, When am I forgiven and set free from slavery to sin? Uh, When I believe and become a child of God or after I grow a little bit and memorize Romans 6? When I believe. When am I... When does the Spirit of God live in me to do the work of God through me? When I believe or after I learn how to walk in the Spirit and then be led by the Spirit? What, when? When I believe. And when do I become an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus? After I believe in Jesus and then take a bunch of classes and get equipped and understand how to answer all the questions and then? No. Are you tracking with me? We've said this about our identity, but our practice is often not in line with what we say our identity is. Our practice is we need to grow and grow and grow and learn and learn and learn. And maybe if you've got the right gifting, you can go share Jesus. We need to change our mind about that. That's the biblical word for we need to repent of that. Because watch what happens when the woman believes. The woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all the things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. They, they took the challenge. Oh, let's go see. And it's at this point in the text where the video camera, if you will, moves from the people coming out of town to the conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. And he says to them, hey, lift up your eyes and see the fields that are white unto harvest. Look at the people that are coming out to come and meet me. 
The same people that you walked by when you were in town getting food, but the very people, the woman who believed and became an instrument of God immediately just said, come and see. See, we, I hate to, I hate to say this, but we're much like the disciples instead of like the woman. We walk by the people thinking we need to get ready. And she just walked in and said, come and see. So if you skip past what Jesus said, because we looked at that number of weeks ago to his disciples about lifting up your eyes and praying, it then goes down to verse 39. It says, from that city, many of the Samaritans did what? Believed in him. Why? Because of the word of the woman. Not because the disciples went to town, not because of what they said, but because of what she said. He told me all the things that I've done, and it doesn't stop there. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Not a throwaway verse. We're going to come back to that. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world. I love this. She is a child of God and an instrument of God at the same moment. Did you catch that? And as an instrument of God, some heard and believed and others heard, went, and then heard Jesus and believed. Here's what I don't want us to miss about that. We had a time during the worship time to pray specifically for, po- for folks that were asking that they would be born again. Have you ever thought about inviting that person to read their Bible now? Why? So that they might actually, even before they believe in Jesus, learn who Jesus is, to hear from him. See, that's what happened to many of the Samaritans. Some believed because of the woman, what she said. Others believed after hearing from him. They may have heard your testimony. They may have heard what Jesus has done for you, but they need to hear from him. So why, what about saying to that person you prayed for in the service? What about saying to that person, hey, I don't know if you'd be interested in this. If not, no problem, but sometimes we say we don't believe in stuff that we've never actually looked at. So... I'd read through the Gospel of John, the story of the life of Jesus, with you if that would help. You know, you could read a chapter, or I'd read a chapter, and we'd meet for coffee next week. Or you could read two chapters, and I'd read two. If you're interested, that's what happened. That's what happened. She invited. Some of them believed in the invitation. Some didn't, but then they did believe when they heard from him. Never underestimate power of the word of God because the word of God has for many people who had met Christians but never read the scriptures when they read the scriptures they came to the conclusion he's the truth he's the way we've too often waited to encourage people to read their Bible until after they believe instead of part of their believing you tracking it's right there in the text what I love is that this woman exposes the lies that we have believed about being an instrument of God. First, the woman reveals you can be an instrument of God regardless of your past. 
She was an instrument of God, regardless of the fact that she had been married five times and was living with a guy then. And she became immediately an instrument of God. Some of you have thought, uh, I've made a wreck of my life. I can't be, I can't tell people about Jesus. I've ruined my life. You can, regardless of your past. But I want you to track with me here. This might seem a little unusual. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you were a person who ruined your life with sex or drugs or alcohol and you, you just ruined your life and then you had a radical turnaround and found Jesus and were saved. If that's your story, okay, a few of you. For some of you, you would say, I didn't have a radical turnaround. I kind of grew up as a good kid, church kid. I was kind of a nice kid, but then I realized that I was still a sinner and I needed a savior and, and you trusted Jesus. How many of that's your story? Vast majority of you, probably over in South as well. It's been true every hour. But many of us who say we didn't have that radical transformation, when we talk about a testimony, we go, I don't really have a testimony. I was just kind of always a good person. I'd like to explode that lie in this way. How many people, if all of Jacksonville was divided into two categories, first, I've sinned so bad that I could never be forgiven, or second, I'm not perfect, but I don't know that I'm so bad that I need a savior. Is, it, is Jacksonville more in number one or number two? Yeah, the vast majority of folks in our circle are number two. Which means what? <laughs> Your story is a valuable story. Did you hear that? I want to explode the lie to the person who, well, I was just a kid and I was always kind of good. And that's the story of lots of people across the city, but who have not yet placed faith in Jesus. We love to put in, in the lights the story of the radical transformation. And it's exciting to see. But more people that live in your neighborhood and work at your work are folks who don't think they need a savior than who think they can't ever be saved. Your story matters. You can be an instrument of God regardless of your past. Whether it was a horrible blow it up, ruin your life past, or it was a mostly good, yes, I stole cookies out of the jar when mom wasn't looking, but. Your story makes a difference. Second, you can be an instrument of God while still spiritually immature. See, that's what you see in this woman. I mean, how mature is she? <laughs> well, she's had like 20 minutes to mature. So, I mean, unless she did one phenomenal podcast on the way back to town. She really wasn't mature in Christ. But I run into people at the chapel all the time and go, ah, I just, you know, I, I need to mature. I, I'm not, I still don't know that much. And I still have a lot to grow. And my marriage is still rough. And our family is still rough. And we act like we have to be mature in our lives together before we can proclaim Jesus. 
And that's not what the woman did. She, she, her life wasn't together. She went to town and told. So if that's been your excuse, realize that that's not true in the scriptures. You can be an instrument of God without knowing all the answers. Right? You, you can be an instrument of God without knowing all the answers. Now, I was out of town last week, but uh, as I always do, I, I listen. So I, I'm totally with Ryan when he last week said, as followers of Jesus, we not only know what we believe, but we want to learn to understand the mindset, the thinking, the, the worldviews of those around us so that we can help them with their roadblocks, their obstacles. But don't allow that pursuit to get you trapped in until I know all the answers, I can't go talk about my faith because that's when we get stuck. That's when you've already had four apologetics classes, but you're going, oh, if we just had another one, that would be so good. Because knowing answers can help, but it can also, if not handled correctly, it can hurt. Ever been to the fair or, or to the garment where they do that whack-a-mole? You know, the thing where it comes up and you get a little club and you whack them on the head and you whack them on the head and you whack them on the head. And so as soon as they get to whack them back down, you know what I'm talking about? Whack-a-mole? You know what we, why we want answers? So we can whack a peg in. Whack them. Whack them. They got a question. Deity of Jesus. Whack them. The authority of scriptures. Whack them. The problem with evil. Whack, whack. Seriously. We want answers so that if anybody brings up something, we're ready. Because questions make us afraid. And anytime when we act out of fear, we're not acting out of love. And when we are giving answers out of fear, we are protecting ourselves instead of getting answers to help someone out of love. Did you track with me? See, I want us to learn so that we can help, not so we can whack them with our answers. So let's grow so we can help and let's not wait until we can whack every one of them before we go. The woman became a child of God and an instrument of God in the same moment. And we've put this long delay between the two. So what did she know? When, we, when she went to town, what did she know? It, it, it tells us in the text. What did she know? She knew that he was the Christ. She knew that he was the man who told her everything that she had ever done. Right? So she knew the person, the identity of Jesus. What else did she know? This is the one that's so obvious that I missed it until literally last week after weeks and weeks of being in John 4, new light bulb for me last week. And I was like, how have I not seen this? What else did she know? Not only who he was, what else? This is so, so simple. He knew 
she knew where he was. Right? See, people looking for the Messiah. And what'd she say? Come and see. I know where he is. I know where the guy who told me everything about me, I know where he is. Don't, don't miss what I'm saying to you. The woman didn't have all the answers. She knew two things. Who he was, what he had done for her, and where he was. And therefore, can I ask you, do you know what Jesus has done for you? Do you? Can you tell it to people? We talk about a one-minute story around here where, where we learn to tell people what Jesus has done for us. She was like, one minute? It took me like four and a half seconds. The man who told me everything I'd ever done. And what? Come and see. I know who he is and I know where he is. So do you know your story? Yeah? Do you know where he is? Do you know where Jesus is? you know where people can find Jesus? Where, where can people find Jesus? All right. We've already established they can find him in the word of God. Where else could people possibly find Jesus? In our story? Yeah, that's the power of the testimony. Where else might they find Jesus? You think they might find it here? See, this is a, this is a pretty important question. I genuinely want you to ask yourself. Do you think you could say to somebody, I found Jesus, and you can find him here. Come along with me. It's why our commitment to teaching the truth is that if we will teach the scriptures, people will find Jesus. Huh. That is our simple why we continually say, have you to anybody yet on a Sunday lunch said, hey, thank you for serving me. I know by serving, there's a good chance that you weren't able to be at a place where you could learn about Jesus. Our church has a Thursday night service where you could find Jesus since you're working on Sunday. It's so simple. And yet somehow we've made it so much more complicated. The woman believed and went to town and said, I know who he is and I know where you can find him. And I think this room in South is filled with a bunch of people who, who know he is. And you know multiple places where they could find him. What'd she say? Come and see. She gave a simple invitation. A simple invitation. Alpha. A simple invitation. See, what's been so, so thrilling for me is that the number of people in the last four weeks that I've talked to who discovered with an invitation, people who went, well, awesome, thanks. Yeah, I'd actually really like that. 
And they're like, really? Like we are blown away that people would actually want to know where they could find Jesus. That was true in Sychar. Come and see. Let's go see. And they found him and believed in him. That's why we do the Hope Center. You understand when you see people in crisis and family crisis and marriage, that you would say, hey, we have a, a counseling center called the Hope Center that I think you would find help there. And in finding help there, what are we saying? They would find Jesus. We could be so much more invitational. But we get trapped with, now I need to know all the answers. Stop it. Stop it. We don't need to know all the answers. We need to know who he is and where people can find him. And we already know those. The woman reveals you can be an instrument of God through two simple things. Invitation, come and see. And testimony, a man who told me everything I've ever done. When I look across this room, I see a bunch of people who know Jesus. I see a bunch of people who could be giving testimony and offering simple invitations to come and see. That's what the woman did. We don't have to make it so complicated. We don't have to be in years of training. We don't have to take tons of classes. Now, again, let's, let's be growing in spiritual maturity. Let's be growing in our understanding. Jesus effectively answered the woman's question, and we can be growing in that. But let's not get stuck until we are ready to whack everybody with answers. Let's get started. Testimony and what? And what? Invitation. Would it make a difference? If the children of God, listen, if all the children of God at Christian Family Chapel determined I can be like that woman, and I can give a testimony, and I can give an invitation. Would that make a difference? From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. And many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world. You understand that a woman who we probably would have never said, oh, not yet, not yet. You need to wait. You need to get your life together. You need to get take class. You need to get some answers. That woman changed the city. Yes? Am I making that up? No, she changed a city. So ask yourself, why can't I be an instrument of God for kingdom multiplication? Could it be possible that as an instrument of God, you could be used to change? Not that the whole city didn't believe, but that you could be used for folks at your workplace finding Jesus. 
And folks, in your community, finding Jesus. Simply because you went, if I'm a child of God, I am an instrument of God. Yeah. If I'm a child of God, I'm an instrument of God. It's his work. I just allow him. Speak through me. I need to change my mind. Say again, the biblical word is repent. And I think some of us need to repent of thinking that sharing the gospel is for a few select others, but not us. That you're like, oh yeah, I'm glad you guys want to do at least 110. I mean, I'm all for it. Y'all go get them. (laughs) But you're on the out. To change your mind to go, I'm not a spectator. I get to participate. If I'm a child of God, I'm an instrument of God. To repent of a lack of urgency due to my preoccupation with my own desires and pursuits. See, I want to answer the question. Why did the woman leave her water pot and go to town? Ever ask yourself, why'd she leave it and then go? I think for this reason. Why had Jesus stopped at the well? Because he was thirsty and tired. They were getting lunch and then heading north. But it says he stayed for two days. Why is it that he stayed for two days? Because those who met him asked him to. Don't miss this. I think she left her water pot because she said, if I take my water and I fill it up and then I walk slowly with my water pot home and get my water pot home and then go to town and tell people by the time they get here, what's true? He's gone. He's headed north. She had urgency that many of us lack. We've got our lives full of job and family and pursuits and recreation and then church and missions conference and then family group. We've got so much. Oh, and then there's dance for the kids and soccer and gymnastics. And then there's getting out to the vacation place. And we got our lives so full. And we think, man, where am I going to fit telling people about Jesus in this? Yeah. She said, I, I, I can't wait. I can't take the time, take my water pot. I, I got to go, and then I'll come back and get it. First priority. I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. Or a change of mind, a repentance of, I shrink back out of fear of feeling inadequate. I just feel like I can't do it. I'm, I'm afraid. And we wait for another class. We wait till I'm more mature. I wait till I have more answers. And we never get there because there's always something I don't really know yet. And just frankly, if I can just call it what we are is we're just chicken. We're just afraid. We're feeling inadequate. And the reality is we are. She was. But she was an instrument of God. So I'm going to invite you to do something bold. Okay, you ready? I'm going to invite you to do something bold at this moment. Through this series, I've sought to, by the word of God, expose our lies. And so in response to the word of God, if you would say, 
I do. I, I, I agree, Doug. I need to change my mind. I've been on the out. I've been an observer. Uh, I've been waiting. I've always found excuses. And I'm changing my mind. This is for me. I'll never be fully ready. I'll never know fully. I'm going to engage. I'm repenting. I was out, but I'm going to be in. If that has been the challenge of the word of God to you and you go, I submit, Lord, I change my mind. I'm in. I'm going to ask you to be bold and stand up right now and say, I'm in. I'm not saying everybody would stand. I'm simply saying you are going, because some of you are in already, but you're going, I am in. I've lacked urgency. I have urgency now. For me, I told first hour, I'm telling you, I have urgency for the gospel more now than I have in the past. And if you ever see it waning, you come and say, hey man, you're losing the urgency of the gospel. An instrument, a child of God is an instrument of God. Now, I'm assuming there's people standing in South or are here in North. Uh, take a moment and turn around and look. It's not awkward, just turn around. And just imagine if all these children of God became fresh instruments of God, that could bring radical kingdom multiplication in Jacksonville, not Sychar, right? Now, that's the privilege. So let me invite all of us to stand and let's declare as Matt leads us that we would have the mind of Christ pursuing the lost. May the mind of Christ, my Savior, live in me from day to day. By His love and power control, to be the instrument but forget the instrument right let them believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus so maybe with a fresh realization and an agreement with my full identity 
Maybe you'd say this with me. I'm a child of God, forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. The spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. That's the privilege. God bless. Go by his strength and power as his instrument. God bless.